The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Wall Street looking for a fresh start, kicking off a new month of trading in the green after what was a very rough month for the tech trade overall. Futures right now, their bid. Investors looking ahead to today's big jobs report for the month of August and what it could mean for this month's Federal Reserve interest rate decision. A new month, a new round of incremental stimulus from Beijing as it looks to free up some $16 billion worth of foreign reserves on bank balance sheets over there. Plus, new details on what could be the hottest IPO of the year. And then later on, Spectrum TV goes dark in the middle of live U.S. Open coverage. Why? It's Friday, September 1st. The 1st of September, 2023, you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good Friday morning. Welcome to the show, Worldwide Exchange. I'm Dominic Chu in for Frank Holland today. After a mixed session for Wall Street just yesterday, let's kick off the hour and a new month of trading with a check on U.S. equity futures, which are right now showing some positive signs. The Dow is implied higher by just about 114 points. The S&P higher by 10 and the Nasdaq higher by just about nine. It's modest but the bulls will take it. This is all after the Nasdaq Dow Transports and the Russell 2000 index each posted their worst month of the year, as you can see here. So things have to get back on track, especially for that transportation trade. Now, on a sector basis, 10 out of the 11 S&P 500 sectors are coming off a down month led by utilities, which saw its worst month since September 2022. That utilities index, you can see down right now over the course of maybe one trading day, 1%, but over the last month, down about one and a half or five and a half percent. Now, today, investors are looking ahead to that big August jobs report. Employers are expected to have added a net 170,000 new jobs last month. That's down from 187 that we saw, 187,000 that we saw back in July. Now, the unemployment rate expected to hold steady at just around three and a half percent. Now, ahead of that, we'll check the bond market. Yields right now showing a little bit of signs of Downside pressure for prices, upside pressure for yields. The 10-year benchmark treasury note yields at 4.11%. The two-year note yield, 4.87%. And the 30-year long bond ticking slightly higher to 4.23%. In the energy complex, oil coming off a third straight month of gains. Right now, WTI U.S. benchmark prices, $84.08. That's up about one-half of 1%. And the world benchmark gauge, ice Brent crude futures, up about one-half of 1% as well, $87.08. And 29 cents. That's the U.S. picture. Let's see how Asia and Europe ended up closing out the month as well and what's on tap for today. That's where we find our Juliana Tattlebaum in our London newsroom with the latest there. Good morning, Juliana. Dom, great to see you. Well, as for the month of August here in Europe, we're opening up today after a quite a downbeat 
This month for equities. You've got red across the board, as you can see here, and fairly broad-based losses. Uh, we did see underperformance in the FTSE 100. It dropped about 3.4%. The Zetradax also took a sizable hit, 3%. The story of the month of August was really a deteriorating macroeconomic picture. We got some flash, some PMIs for the month of August, which painted quite a downbeat picture of both manufacturing and services at the same time. Uh, just this week, we got some fresh inflation data showing that inflation pressures remain alive and well. So putting this all together, it looks as though the ECB, when they meet in a couple of weeks, uh, could be hiking further into a recession or stagnation, a stagnatory environment. So difficult picture for European equities. In terms of the big movers, let me highlight a couple for you. Uh, single stock-wise, UBS shares gained more than 20% over the course of the month, getting a big boost from its bumper Q2 earnings report, which sent it to its highest level since 2008. Now, on the downside, let me take you to Infineon. Shares there are down 17% in the month of August. Uh, the company warned its fourth quarter revenue would come in below expectations, and the stock took a sizable hit there. Dom, uh, back over to you. All right, Juliana Tettelbaum with the latest there. Thank you very much. Sticking with that overseas action and a new month, it means a new round of incremental stimulus from the folks in China. Our Eunice Yoon joins us now from Beijing with the latest there. Uh, Investors here in the U.S. and around the world are wondering whether all these moves are good things or maybe a sign of worse things to come in the world's second biggest economy, Eunice. (laughs) Well, Dom, I think there are a lot of folks here that are wondering that um, whether or not this, this signals that policymakers um, could be rolling out even more stimulus measures. Uh, these latest ones target the yuan and the shaky real estate market. Uh, the central bank today announced that it's going to be cutting the amount of foreign exchange that banks have to hold in reserve by two percentage points to four percent. This would be as of September 15th. Now, the move is meant to free up foreign exchange funds, an estimated $16 billion, and a likely is uh, meant to really target the uh, weakening yuan. Now, in addition to that, the authorities here have announced uh, three different uh, uh, buckets of measures uh, that are going to go into effect as of September 25th that would target the real estate sector and really try to convince Chinese to buy their first or second homes. So one is that uh, the authorities are going to cut the minimum down payment by 10 percent to 20 to 30 percent nationwide. They're lowering mortgage rates and revising rules to make it easier for current homeowners to be considered first-time buyers in smaller cities. Now, these new policies are going to be um, are coming as creditors of the struggling real estate giant Country Garden are set to vote on an onshore bond repayment plan. That's supposed to be as of 10 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, the issue is that some of the creditors are demanding full repayment They're not happy about a three-year extension plan, so we're going to see how that all folds, uh, how that all unfolds. So, so Eunice, uh, so that's what's happening right now. We're also getting some news uh, this morning about the the, this month's G20 conference uh, and China's participation in it, or or maybe lack of in some ways. What more can you tell us there about that? (laughs) Well, the diplomatic community has been a buzz with um, several different reports now uh, that President Xi Jinping is considering skipping the G20 summit. A lot of folks are shocked at this possibility. There's an expectation now that the premier 
uh, Lee Chang would go in his stead. Uh, the U U.S. officials have also said that um, that President Biden doesn't expect to meet uh, the Chinese president at the G20. So it's just all raising a lot of speculation. Uh, the Chinese have not confirmed the, this rumor, uh, and also they have not confirmed his plans. Okay, Eunice Yun with the latest there from Beijing. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Let's get a check on one of this morning's top corporate stories with a big IPO reportedly set to hit the market later on this month. Pippa Stevens is here with that and has everything to do with computer chips. That's right, Dom. Good morning. Well, Arm Holdings is reportedly planning to launch a roadshow for investors next week after the Labor Day holiday as the chipmaker gears up for its much-anticipated IPO. Sources telling Reuters and Bloomberg the company, which is majority owned by SoftBank, is expected to price shares on September 13th and begin trading on the Nasdaq the following day. Reports have said SoftBank plans to sell about 10 percent of Arm's shares in the IPO at a valuation of 60 to 70 billion dollars. SoftBank is selling fewer shares after buying the 25 percent stake it didn't directly own in the company from its vision fund. Bloomberg has reported Arm, which is based in the U.K., is in talks with several big customers about backing the IPO. That list includes Apple, Amazon, Intel, NVIDIA, Alphabet, Microsoft, Samsung, and Taiwan Semiconductor. A successful IPO would be a boon for SoftBank and CEO Masayoshi Son. Last month, SoftBank reported its third straight quarterly loss, hurt by declines in some of its major holdings, such as Alibaba and T-Mobile. Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, Barclays, and Mizuho are the leading underwriters for the IPO. Those shares fractionally lower, Dom. All right. Pippa Stevens, we'll see you later on. Thank you very much. All right. A lot more here to come on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, how you should be positioning your portfolio ahead of today's big August jobs report. Our expert panel is next with their best ideas for the new trading month. Plus, why shares of genetic testing giant 23andMe are surging this morning. And then later on, going dark, Spectrum Cable subscribers and fans of the 2023 U.S. Open Tennis not waking up very happy this morning. And why Disney may be to blame. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back. Wall Street is kicking off the new trading month with a fresh catalyst for market sentiment. We've got the monthly jobs report coming up later on this morning. Economists are expecting gains to slow from 187,000 jobs to 170,000 in the month of August. 
Strategists at Deutsche Bank say cooler employment data is still being treated as good news, as optimism over the rate hikes outweighs the chances of slower growth in the economy. Now, the CME FedWatch tool now shows an 89% chance of a pause at the September rate meeting, up from the 80% chance priced in earlier this week. Now, for more on the markets and the economy and the Fed, let's bring in Lee Baker, the owner and president of Apex Financial and a member of the CNBC Financial Advisors Council. Also, Eric Bailey, executive vice president at Stewart Partners. Uh, gentlemen, thank you both for being with us here. Uh, Lee, maybe we'll start with you from, from, from an advisor's standpoint. Th- there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, people are feeling not at all comfortable for the final few months of the year. What exactly is the setup in your mind? And, and should investors be worried and making moves in their portfolio because of it? Okay, so for me, I think I've t- taken the approach of being cautiously optimistic. Uh, yes, people are worried, but I don't see anything that makes me think, hey, you need to make significant shifts in your portfolio. Uh, we're doing things differently now than, frankly, we've been unable to do for the last 10 or 15 years. And that's actually get uh, some ballast from the fixed income section of the portfolio. So we're we're making those shifts. We're, we're rolling into more treasuries, more floating rate funds. Uh, so that that portfolio of our client portfolios is actually getting them the 5% uh, that we count on from a long-term perspective. So, so, so Eric, th- that's an interesting point of view because he, he's not the only one, Lee, uh, about being cautiously optimistic, given everything that we've seen so far build up this year already. I wonder, is there a setup in your mind that, that, that maybe is too optimistic or not optimistic enough about the balance of the year? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Dominic. Yeah, I think if, uh, as we see a little bit this morning with the with the bond yields, you're seeing there is a concern that the numbers are going to come in stronger than expected, and that could lead to a, a sell-off in, uh, in fixed income. And that would be, I think, a minor jolt to the markets, because right now the soft landing is the consensus, and, and we're seeing you know equities continue to act strong. And so if we see a hotter-than-expected number this morning, uh, that view that the Fed is on a pause could change and you could see more volatility hit the markets. Uh, I mean, Eric, this has been it's pretty evident. It's been the magnificent seven. It's been mega cap technology and media that's been driving things. What's curious about it is that these companies have seen expanded valuations in a rising interest rate environment. There's a bit of a disconnect there. Is that going to get resolved anytime soon or, or can we continue to see multiples expand in the face of higher rates? Yeah, that's a big concern. I mean, the massive difference between what growth equities and that magnificent seven are performing versus the broad markets. If you look at the value, you know, the Russell 1000 value is up only 5% and the growth, the growth, uh, the Russell growth is up over 30. You worry that um, valuations are so high in growth that uh, we could see a lot more volatility because that, you know, we're going to see uh, cooling in that sector. And so I would like to see a lot more of a broad based uh, market returns, especially for equities, where you get these other sectors that have done nothing uh, perform better. Lee, what's also curious right now is amid those rising rates, we've also for the first time in maybe a generation or so, have a situation where there is an alternative to stocks and even bonds. You can just put your money in cash, make about four and a half to five and a half percent, depending on which money market fund you're in. 
How many clients of yours feel as though cash is just a good place to be because they can just make it without taking any risk whatsoever? It's a pretty significant portion of our clientele, particularly those that are in retirement. Uh, we work with some, uh, you know, uh, clients that have significant accounts, and they're kind of going, we were forced into equities, uh, again, for you say about a generation, but now they're looking at a situation where finally, after 15 or 20 years uh, with where inflation is currently, uh, they can have safe money that is above the rate of inflation. So as long as we continue to see uh, 3.3%, 3.2% year-over-year inflation, and they can continue to clip along at four and a half, five percent They're happy. It's a lot less stressful for them. Uh, and so then our job becomes, hey, listen, let's find some opportunities to uh, boost things on the equity side, but protect from the downside so that uh, for those clients, we are eyeing that Mac, Mac 7 in case there's a, a bit of a prick and those things uh, drop precipitously. All right. And before we let you go, just one quick word to each of you. Lee, your favorite part of the market? Uh, private credit. Private credit. Eric Bailey, your favorite part of the market right now? I see value in uh, dividend equities. Uh, they're cheap. Valuations are cheap. These companies have strong balance sheets, and I think that's a good place to, uh, to invest right now. All right. Private credit and dividend equities. Lee Baker, Eric Bailey, thank you very much. Have a nice holiday weekend, guys. Thanks for having us. All right. Ahead on Worldwide Exchange, Universal steering clear of Taylor Swift's silver screen debut. The Labor Day gas deal only good until 7 p.m. today and no ticket, no phone, no line. No problem. At least one major league baseball stadium is in that situation. Your trending stories are coming up when we return after this commercial break. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Today, it's all about artificial intelligence. We've got shares of Dell popping in the pre-market on better than expected second quarter earnings and full year guidance. The company beating expectations for its PC and enterprise businesses due to an improved demand environment and lower component costs. Dell says that around 20 percent of server orders for the first half of the year were related to what else? AI applications. Those shares up nine and a half percent pre-market. MongoDB shares also rallying following an earnings beat with revenue growing by 40, 40%. The company attributing the strong quarter to its competitive advantage when it comes to AI. MongoDB also pointing to continued strength in new workload acquisitions and its record operating margins as well. So those shares up about six and a quarter percent. And then Broadcom sliding this morning after posting a marginally positive quarter and issuing some disappointing guidance. Broadcom, a market leader for data center chips, has been hit by uneven industry spending as well as use for its key iPhone components. Still, though, 
The company does see AI as a bright spot, projecting year-over-year growth in the fourth quarter from generative AI networking opportunities, but Broadcom shares off by about 4.5% in the early trade right now. Well, from stocks to sectors, renewable energy has been under pressure this year with the iShares Global Clean Energy ETF now down nearly 20% for 2023. But is the space beginning to look a little bit more attractive given some of those downturns? Pippa Stevens is here with more on that story. Hi, Pippa. Hey, Dom. Well, it's been a brutal year for clean energy stocks as higher rates make future earnings less attractive while increasing borrowing costs for capital-intensive industries. The ICLN is now trading at the cheapest valuation in more than three years. This could present a buying opportunity for those who believe the selling's overdone, although higher rates are not the only headwind. Residential solar is grappling with an inventory glut as demand evaporates. Hydrogen companies are waiting on tax credit clarity. Onshore wind companies have had equipment issues, and offshore wind projects are being canceled as costs soar. This week, shares of Orsted, the largest offshore wind developer, plummeted after the company warned it could write off up to $2 billion due to challenges with its U.S. portfolio. Still, there are bargains to be found. Analysts at City said to focus on companies that have premium growth expectations at a reasonable price. Enphase, SolarEdge, Quanta Services, Shoals, and Eaton are among the names that make their list. On the flip side, they said to avoid companies that have negative free cash flow and are burning through cash. That's names like Plug Power, Sun Power, Ballard Power, and Sonova. So, Dom, while the long-term thesis remains intact, there are a lot of short-term headwinds here. What happened to all of the tailwind from the Inflation Reduction Act? I thought we were spending gazillions of dollars, <laughs> yeah. a technical term, right, on some of these clean energy projects. Yeah, well, I mean, it's easy to pick out the 2023 moves. But to your point, there was a huge momentum after the IRA last year. And then this group is very sentiment driven. So then once we saw, you know, sustained higher rates, that started to chip away at that, you know, thesis of how did these earnings look in the future? And also going back to 2020, a lot of these stocks tripled. So we are still working through some of the heightened expectations. But there's no doubt that there's been so much momentum with Biden and everyone at the highest level saying, this is the future, we have to do this. But then when it comes down to the nitty gritty, a lot of these businesses are commoditized. A lot of them have, you know, capital intensive industries. And so when rates go up, it just really changes that calculation. All right. Higher rates, good for certain tech companies, but not others. Yeah. Pippa Stevens, thank you very much. All right. Let's get a check on some of this morning's top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the latest. Good morning. Hi, Don. Good morning. President Biden will travel to Florida tomorrow where, where he will damage the, their, the, the damage left behind. Excuse me. He will tour the damage left behind in the wake of Hurricane Adalia. Some communities in the Big Bend area were nearly flattened. At least three deaths have been linked to this storm, two in Florida and one in Georgia. Former President Trump pleaded not guilty on Thursday to the 13 charges he faces in the Georgia election interference case. Along with the plea, Trump also waived his right to appear at his arraignment, which is set for September 6th. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has filed his 2022 financial disclosure report. Earlier this year, ProPublica uncovered years of undisclosed gifts received by Thomas from Republican donor Harlan Crow. Under new rules, Crow's name appeared multiple times in this latest report, reportedly paying for Thomas's travel on three occasions, including to a conservative conference last May. A lawyer for Thomas said that he is confident that the justice did not willingly 
actually make any ethics transgressions. Oprah and Dwayne The Rock Johnson are teaming up to launch a $10 million relief fund for the wildfire victims in Hawaii. It is called the People's Fund of Maui. And according to the fund's website, they are giving $1,200 monthly payments to displaced residents. They are seeking donations to keep those payments going longer with those big names like two those megawatt stars. Dom, I'm sure they will get that amount and beyond. It's all about Maui Strong these days. Thank you very much, Francis Ferreira. Have a nice holiday weekend. You too. All right. As we head out to break, a programming note. Join us for the Delivering Alpha Investor Summit on September 28th in New York City, where we'll convene investors and leaders to provide insights, ideas, and analysis to help you balance risk with maximized returns. Just scan the QR code that you see on your screen there or visit cnbcevents.com slash deliveringalpha. And speaking of big ideas, coming up on Worldwide Exchange, we check in with our own Steve Sedgwick live just outside, where else? The beautiful Lake Como for the annual Ambrosetti Forum, the Cernovio Forum. Steve, what do we have? We have a little bit of everything, actually. There's focus on Italy, on what's going on in Germany. Is it the sick man of Europe? On Europe more generally and how it responds to that. Ira as well from President Biden's administration. A lot of focus on President Trump as well and the elections. And, of course, the Saudis are in town. And we've just heard from Vladimir Zelensky. Plenty to come uh, from Lake Como on Worldwide Exchange. It's 5.30 a.m. Eastern Time right here in the New York area, and there's still a lot ahead on Worldwide Exchange, so here's what's on deck. Stocks kicking off a new trading month in the green ahead of today's big jobs report. What a beat or a miss could mean for the Fed's September rate hike game plan. New details on what's likely to be the hottest IPO of the year, waiting until after the Labor Day holiday to get its roadshow started. Computer chips very much in focus. And then Tesla redesigns its most popular Model 3 crossover for the first time since its launch. But U.S. buyers may have to wait a bit longer to see it. It is Friday, September 1st, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dominic Chiu in for Frank Holland this Friday morning. Let's pick up the half hour with a check on U.S. equity futures, which are right now in the green. The Dow implied higher by 150 points. The S&P by about 15 or so points. And the Nasdaq up by about 33 We are right now just about session highs for that futures market. Let's also hit oil prices as well. They are bid. U.S. benchmark West Texas intermediate crude prices currently up about three quarters of one percent, eighty four dollars and thirty cents. Ice Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, eighty seven dollars and forty eight cents, up about sixty five cents or about three quarters of one percent as well. Let's get a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Pippa Stevens is back with those. Hi, Pippa. Hey, Dom. If you're a Spectrum TV customer who enjoys live tennis coverage, then this story may be heading a little close to home. Disney pulling the plug on Charter Spectrum Cable overnight, cutting off subscriber access to ESPN, ABC, and other Disney-owned networks. Disney says the service interruption with the second-largest cable TV provider in the U.S. is over a carriage dispute and is now in fresh talks for a new agreement. Charter says it will host a webcast today to discuss the status of the agreement. The FDA is giving 23andMe the green light to add more information in its genetic reports when it comes to risks for certain cancers. The 41 new gene variants 23andMe is now clear to detail are associated with higher risk for breast, ovarian, prostate and pancreatic cancer, among others. Shares are popping this morning but are down some 90 percent over the past five years. 
Its market cap now sits just above $500 million, down 18 percent. And the United Auto Workers Union is filing unfair labor charges against General Motors and Jeep parent Stellantis for not bargaining with the union in good faith or a timely manner. The complaint does not include Ford, which the union says has met the demands with a counter proposal. Dom? Stevens, thank, thank you very much for those headlines. Now, we are just about three hours away from the big economic news of the week. That is the August jobs report. It's out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. It could show hiring is cooling off, something the Federal Reserve may welcome as strong demand for workers tends to boost wages and then carry through into higher inflation. Now, employers are forecast to have added 170,000 jobs last month, down from the 187,000 that was created back in July. That would be, by the way, the lowest monthly gain since December of 2020. So let's get more into the conversation with Julia Pollack, the chief economist over at ZipRecruiter, uh, somebody who knows the jobs market pretty well. So, Julia, let's talk about whether or not this slowing momentum is a sign for worry overall. We've seemed to have staved off recession for the better part of a year. Is it going to get worse heading into the fall? So it's not yet a sign for worry. Right now, labor market indicators have slowed, but only to pretty good levels, levels historically uh, that would represent a hot job seekers market. The question is whether this slowdown will decline. And if this downtrend continues very soon, we could be talking about labor market weakness as a problem. All right. So, Julia, if that's the case, the labor market weakness is anticipated maybe to be a problem. It hasn't been a problem despite a lot of headwinds over the course of the last almost year at this point. What exactly is it that makes the U.S. job market so resilient and by extension, perhaps arguably a thorn in the side for the Fed right now? So the U.S. economy is pretty much dependent on one factor, and that's the U.S. consumer. And to date, the U.S. consumer has remained very resilient and strong. Many people received those stimulus checks and unemployment insurance payments during the pandemic. They paid down debt. They locked in lower mortgage rates. Uh, and so they, they're doing well. And at the same time, they, they gained jobs. Uh, this, the recent pace of job growth has set off a virtuous cycle in the labor market where people have added income, added jobs, households have gained an earner, uh, and employment to population ratios for, for prime age workers are the highest in 22 years, the highest ever for women. If you look at the, 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 the subtle movements within where jobs are being created and where they're being lost, I remember how many jobs reports I went through and have reported on about how hospitality and leisure pretty much led the way for the better part of the last two years for job growth. We're starting to see that decline right now. Is that a worry? Is that a telltale sign about consumer spending or about what consumers are doing with the, with the little money that they have left? after those stimulus checks have now started to run a little bit out. So I think it's a little bit of, of a reason for concern that the leisure and hospitality sector has not fully recovered, and it looks as though it won't for, for many months. Uh, that said, the, the share of jobs made up by leisure and hospitality is, is shifting back to normal, and we're seeing the leading industry uh, for job growth become healthcare again, uh, as it is expected to be over the next decade. So we're really returning to sort of a normal job mix. And Julia, speaking of that consumer, September 1st, just the fall overall means a return of one thing that many Americans do not want to see return and that is student loan repayments. It's going to take a chunk out of a lot of people's paychecks. 
because they will have to repay those for the first time in a long time. What exactly is the outlook and how does that affect the American inflationary story as well? Sure. So 46 million Americans will be affected by the student loan restart. And yet the aggregate effect on the economy could be smaller than many expect. And that's for several reasons. One, many Americans continued to pay their student loans throughout that forbearance period. Another is that as these headlines about the restart have been all over, uh, many have prepaid their loans and started paying back earlier. Uh, Then we also have these new income-driven repayment programs starting. The Biden administration's SAVE program uh, will allow many, many borrowers not to pay a cent uh, if they earn less than 225% of the uh, poverty line. And uh, so, you know, this this is not going to be a massive shock to the economy all at once. It's going to be a, a slow burn. All right. Julia Pollack there with the latest outlook for the U.S. economy. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Thank you very much. All right. Coming up on the show, competition in the AI chip space is heating up by one and its shares are surging. You can see that's our mystery chart. But first, as we head out to break, some of your top trending stories this morning. Forgot your ticket, your phone or the line. Just don't forget to bring your face. Major League Baseball is considering using facial recognition for entry into ball games, allowing fans to walk directly into the ballpark without the long wait. Now, Major League Baseball says the go-ahead entry program, which is currently being tested at the Philadelphia Philly Stadium, is perfectly safe and will not compromise security. Hmm. A tropical island in the Caribbean is sitting on a digital gold mine, the British territory of Anguilla has been in charge of assigning internet addresses that end in .ai, yes, .ai, to residents and businesses since the 1990s. Now, with the boom in activity surrounding artificial intelligence, it's now cashing in on the trend. The total number of domain registrations ending with AI has now doubled in the past year, and it's estimated Anguilla will bring in $30 million worth of fees because of that domain this year. And lucky number 13 is for Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift alone. CNBC parent company Universal says it's moving the release date of the newest Exorcist movie up to October 6th from October 13th. The announcement coming just hours after Taylor Swift said a concert film of her U.S. Eras tour will be released on October 13th. Sad day for anyone hoping for an Swift weekend in October. Swift replacing Barbenheimer. We're back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We've got Telsey, Raymond James, and Loop Capital all downgrading Dollar General following its disappointing earnings report. That makes five downgrades of the retailer in just the past two days. Loop is going to hold from buy and cutting its price target to 140 bucks. It was $200 a share prior. Dollar General right now off about one and a quarter percent. Morgan Stanley is naming Dell as its top pick in the IT space with a new $70 price target. That's the high on the street, by the way. Morgan Stanley says Dell saw demand improve faster than expected in the second quarter. It is also benefiting directly from the spending cycle in generative artificial intelligence. Right now, Dell shares up about 10% pre-market. And then J.P. Morgan is upgrading Vale to overweight with a price target of 16 bucks. It says the Brazilian miners' shares rallied into this year on the expected impact of China's reopening, but that recovery has stalled and since peaking in February, 
Volley has lost about a quarter of its value. J.P. Morgan thinks the stock is now cheap. So the shares up about one and a quarter percent pre-market. All right, time now for your global briefing. Shares of Samsung rallying on new speculation. The company will soon compete with AI chip provider SK Hynix to provide hardware to NVIDIA. Now, according to reports, Samsung sealed the deal with NVIDIA after passing a quality test and plans to begin supplying chips as early as next month. More incremental stimulus from the world's second largest economy, the People's Bank of China, says it will cut the amount of foreign reserves that banks and other financial institutions will need to hold in an effort to boost the value of the yuan. The move effectively frees up more than $16 billion worth of foreign deposits, which stood at $822 billion at the end of July. And SoftBank's Arm Holdings is reportedly preparing to price shares for its upcoming U.S. IPO on September 13th, with trading set to begin the following day. According to now multiple reports, Arm is aiming to raise between 5 and $7 billion in the offering, which would value the company somewhere between 60 and $70 billion in total. Well, sticking with the action overseas today is day one of a very exclusive invite-only meeting on the shores of Italy's Lake Como. Our Steve Sedgwick got an invitation and joins us now with more on that story. Uh, I will say, Steve, I'm just slightly jealous of your location right now. Yeah, and I'll apologize to the viewers because you're looking at me rather than a whole picture of the lake, which is arguably the most stunning place on this planet as well. But you're, you're, you're right, Dom, actually. I, I know that I got invited. That aside, it is stunningly exclusive as well. And, and it's an amazing thing to you get the top business people, top academics, uh, top politicians as well, all converging here. We've got some top U.S. politicians, including Nancy Pelosi, uh, Lindsey Graham here as well, uh, all coming to just talk about the key issues in the world. And, and it, it, it's framed Italy, Europe and the world. Well, Italy's got its problems at the moment. They just this morning had a downgrade to their growth for the second quarter of negative 0.4. So negative 0.4 in the second quarter. And that has led a lot of people to be very, very concerned about potentially whether the government has lost its grip uh, on the economics as well, because it came in. It was a government that people were worried about. It's a, a, a right wing government. But actually, Georgia Maloney's government for the most part of the last year has done pretty well. Now people are beginning to worry. They're not just worried about Italy. They're worried about Germany as well. I spoke to a chap this morning called Hans Werner Sinn. It was on programming. He's the boss of a, company, a group called the IFO, and he said Germany is back to becoming, wait for it, the sick man of Europe. It's a label it used to have many decades ago before it reinvented itself as well. And if Germany's in trouble, that has really bad signs for the whole of Europe as well. I've been talking to the Saudis here. They're here drumming up support for investment for their Vision 2030 fund, doing a very big um, uh, fundraising kind of activity or sales pitch here as well. Zelensky's been talking to this meeting this morning. He wants EU ascendancy. And guess what, though? I spoke to a whole host of business people last night, and all they wanted to talk about was the U.S., the election and Trump. He is still box office here in Italy. Back to you. All right, Steve, it wasn't just business leaders. It's also a host of academics, Nobel laureates. I know that you caught up with uh, uh, Joseph Stiglitz at one point, amongst others. What exactly was the conversation like with regard to the big picture view there? 
Yeah, and I will say I've been speaking to some Conservatives here as well because we know that Jeff, uh, Joe Stiglitz, he's the brilliant Nobel economist. He's won the prize, of course, and that, but, but he is a Democrat as well. But I just want to put that in context. He is really worried about two things. One, policy missteps from the Federal Reserve. He thinks there's been a misreading of the aggregate demand picture on inflation. And if we've misread the aggregate demand picture, that means the FOMC may have gone too far in his eyes as well, in which case the inflation or the stickiness of inflation is a lot less than perhaps the Fed thinks, and if that policy mistake is correct, then that could have bad signs uh, for the U.S. economy. That said, he's also incredibly worried about potential chaos surrounding the upcoming election and the, and the potential conviction of the leading Republican candidate, Mr. Trump, as well, and, and whether his court cases are settled before or after, what that means for the American people, what it means for society, what it means for politics as well. He had some really interesting comments on IRA, and I note your, one of your previous correspondents was talking about IRA as well, where he's saying, look, it, it, it's very interesting. The, 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 the government, Mr. Biden's administration, thought that Iowa would generate around about $270 billion of activity. Actually, it's generating north of $1 trillion of activity. Now, sure. that's fascinating. That's great news in many ways. But is that inflationary, Dom? And that's another question that's being raised here. Back All to right. you. Steve Sedgwick from the shores of Lake Como. Thank you very much. Enjoy the conference. We'll see you soon. Have a nice weekend. I had the one key word that every investor needs to know today. Also, Tesla redesigns its most popular Model 3 crossover for the first time since its launch, but U.S. buyers may have to wait a little bit longer to actually see it. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. A new month means a new budget battle in Washington, D.C. The White House is asking Congress late last night to pass a short-term measure to fund the federal government and avoid a shutdown when it runs out of cash. Uh, targeted for the end of September. A shareholder is suing Amazon's board of directors and its founder, Jeff Bezos, over a contract it signed with Bezos's space company, Blue Origin, alleging negligence and failing to consider other vendors for the company's satellite project, including Elon Musk's SpaceX. Shares of NVIDIA are riding their longest monthly win streak in three years after gaining more than 5.5% in August. The stock is now up four months in a row, its longest since stretch since a six-month streak that ended back in 2020. Shares of Lululemon are high, higher in the pre-market, the company boosting its outlook for the rest of its fiscal year after reporting better-than-expected results during a, quote, strong second quarter. Tesla is unveiling a redesigned Model 3 for global markets including China, Japan, Europe, and the Middle East. The restyled crossover vehicle features a longer driving range and a higher price tag than previous generations. This is the Model 3's first refresh since it launched back in 2020. Well, let's kick off the start of the new trading day and the month with a final check on the futures market right now. They are bid. The Dow is implied higher 146 points, the S&P higher by 14, and the Nasdaq up by about 24. Joining me now with her thoughts on the markets is Lizzie Evans, the managing partner at Evans May Wealth. Uh, Lizzie, it's great to have you here ahead of the holiday weekend. This is a big jobs report. Is this something, though, today's data point, one way or the other, that would change your investing outlook? Uh, good morning, Dom. Uh, in short, no. I, I think that we have had a collection of many data points this week and will continue to. I think um, as it has been, all eyes are on the Fed. So, you know, barring any um, unexpected information that comes in, I think we expect the Fed to hold at 
five and a quarter, five and a half percent in September. We have a pause in October. We think we'll likely see a hold again in November. So what we've heard recently um, and the data points that have come in this week is that you know the 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 Fed's restrictive policy is working the way as intended. Fed Powell has made it very clear that they're going to continue to hold until they have data points that inflation is coming down. Um, but I think it, at least at the present time, it's somewhat more of the same. All right. So 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 your word of the day, it has to do with the Fed. I'm wondering if you could take us through why it has to do with the Fed. Yeah, so my word, uh, my WEX word of the day is bus driver. Um, so, you know, right now, Dom, all around the country, kids are going back to school. And um, my oldest is in kindergarten and the bus comes every day at 7.06 a.m. So yesterday when I was walking him to the bus, I couldn't help but think how much his bus driver, Ms. Bev, and the Fed have in common. Miss Bev controls the duration of the trip. She controls how bumpy or smooth a ride it will be. And importantly, she controls the confidence her passengers have in the, in the safety of their arrival. So much like Miss Bev, the Fed is driving the bus that we are all on, and we are completely dependent on the Fed to harness a, a soft landing. So, Dom, as it has been for several months and even more than a year now, all eyes are on the Fed, and we are very uh, dependent on them as to the future direction of the market. That's really funny you mentioned that. My daughter, Elizabeth, ironically enough, uh, goes into her first day of first grade uh, starting today. So that's going to be an interesting day when I get home later on this afternoon. Uh, okay, so given the fact that the bus driver is your order of the day, how confident are you that the bus driver slash Fed is going to make the markets and economy smooth for, say, the next six to nine months? I think that that's, you know, that's the million dollar question, right? I, the, the Fed was uh, late on raising rates. I think it's been very clear that they're going to um, continue to digest various data points before um, they they start cutting. So I think, you know, what what's the inflection point in the market to the extent that they continue to raise rates? And we heard that from um, Fed Chairman Bostic re- it, it, this week that there's some concern that um, the, the policy has become too res- restrictive. So I think that we certainly, um, it's, it's an important point to watch. I'm hopeful that we will have a soft landing. I think in the short term, uh, the setup for the market, September is historically a terrible month in the market. October is historically very volatile. And all of the major indices, S&P, Dow, NASDAQ, we're still less than 5% off any 52-week high. So I think if the setup in the short term is that we're going to have volatility. I think we could see the market move lower before it moves higher. Longer term, we still believe that we're in a secular bull market. But, Dom, it is a stock picker's market. So I think you have to be careful about what you're buying and why you're buying it. All right. Lizzie Evans, always great to get your thoughts. Thank you very much. I hope you and your family have a great holiday weekend. Uh, Thanks for watching with us right now. The futures are right now bid. It's the holiday weekend. Squawk Box is coming up next. We'll see you on Tuesday. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. 
FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.